0: Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. So good to have you here with us today on episode 308. We've got a great show for you today we're going to be continuing our series with Eric Ream on the power of the pipeline. Now, the last three episodes, we've covered the lead-in stage, the making contact stage, the phone meeting stage. If you haven't listened to those, make sure you go back. You check those out as part of this series. Today, we're going to be on part four. We're going to be talking about the proposal stage. Now, you might be tempted to check out when you hear the word proposal because you think this episode is going to be all about the details, the fine print, but the truth is it's not about that at all. As you're going to hear us talk about, one of the reasons that event planners hire certain speakers is because that they are easy to work with. So we're going to show you how to take a step-by-step approach that many speakers overcomplicate and make it super, super simple. Also, one of the things we're going to talk about toward the end of the episode is how long you should wait to reach back out after you've sent a proposal. As you're going to hear Eric say, there's actually a fine line between being persistent and coming across as desperate. So we're going to give you some best practices when it comes to following up. So much to cover here in this episode. Let's get right into it. Here's part four of The Power of the Pipeline with Eric Ream. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. We are back for the fourth episode in our five-part series, five stages of the Speaker Pipeline. So in the previous episode, we discussed the third stage, the phone meeting stage. You're getting someone on the phone. You're talking to them about the event and the possibilities of working together. This week, we're going to be digging into the fourth stage of the process, the proposal stage. And as always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Mr. Eric Ream, Dr. Living the Rehm Dream. How are you today, sir?
1: Outstanding. By the way, have you ever seen the movie, The Proposal?
0: Uh, maybe. Who's in that?
1: Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds. Fantastic movie. If you haven't seen it, that's the next action item for you to see that. But my question is, if this was a proposal, are you Sandra Bullock and am I Ryan Reynolds or which? Man, what, oh.
0: we are like 30 <laughs> seconds into this and I've already derailed. Uh, we are way <laughs> off track. All right, well, I'm, get, it, get, I'm it, excited, get us, I'm get excited us back to be on track.
1: Here. Yeah, this is when it gets real, Grant. So you got the event on the hook and uh, they've, they've agreed to you in principle over the phone, now what you're gonna do is you need to formalize it. So this is when it really gets fun. So I'm excited to talk about this and unpack it.
0: Yeah. So let's kind of recap here where we've gone. Uh, so again, we're on the fourth part of the process here. So if you haven't already, definitely go back. You're going to want to listen to the previous three parts of this series. So the five stages, just kind of overall big picture. First of all, is you have the lead in stage. You have some type of lead. Uh, ideally, it's going to be some relatively warm lead, could be a cold lead, but you have some type of lead that you have uh, the contact made. You've the you've reached out to them. Uh, that leads to the phone meeting. Uh, this is a critical part. You don't want to, business is, happens over the phone or interacting with people not over email. So you want to make sure that you're talking to them. That was what the previous episode was all about. We'll get, go into a lot of nuts and bolts on that. Uh, and then in the fourth stage, what we're going to be talking about today is the proposal stage. After this, what we'll talk about in the next episode is the contract negotiation. Now, again, big picture is again the pipeline. It's managed within a CRM. This is a series of these these five different stages within this process. And this is more than just kind of like stuff that you try to mentally keep track of, or maybe you just scribble down something uh, in your in your I don't know your journal or whatever, and you're hopefully going to remember remember it a few months from now. No, no, no. You want to have a CRM. A CRM stands for the a Customer Relationship Management Software. And there's a variety of different ones. We uh, well, A lot of our students use HubSpot, which is as a free option. Uh, I know, Eric, you use uh, Pipedrive. I've used a tool called HiRise in the past. Uh, whether you want to use a, I know we've had students who've used spreadsheets. Uh, you, the, the, the tool isn't important, but you want to make sure that the pipeline is being implemented in whatever tool it is that you're choosing to use. So again, we discussed the the phone meeting stage uh, in the previous episode, where the purpose is to determine uh, fit and value. The goal is to discuss the price, get a verbal commitment. And at this point, there's typically about a 50% success rate. You know, you, you're on the phone with them, they've expressed interest, you've expressed interest. And usually at that point, it's, it's about a coin toss. It's a 50 50 chance of it working out. So once you have gained a verbal agreement or request for more information, you are then going to move them to stage four, the proposal stage. So, Eric, kind of give us an overview of, of what we're going to cover in this stage.
1: Yeah. Well, there's three things, Grant. Number one is probability. So thinking about success, that's one thing I think it's, it's fun about when you go through each stage is as you get to the next stage, your probability of success and landing the gig increases, right? So in the proposal stage, you're now 80% probability at this stage. Now, this is not like a uh, hard and, and uh, math grant. It's not always this way, but just in general, you're about at 80%. I mean, you're almost at the finish line. You can see the finish line. You've run marathons before, right? So this is like this is like mile 23, mile 20. I mean, you're feeling it, but you're close and you and you can smell the finish line. So the purpose here, Grant, is you want to formalize the value. What I mean by that is you talk about everything in the phone, right? Now what you want to do is you want to put it on a, a paper, on a document that's tactile. They can print it out, they can hold it, they can look at it, they can actually see exactly the value you're gonna bring. The reason why that's important, Grant, is the event planner. Let's say you're the event planner. You and I have locked in. We're we're good to go. But the other people that also make a decision weren't on that call. So they've got to see what this is all about. And that that's where that's what we do in the proposal stage with this proposal that we're gonna we're gonna talk about. And then finally, the goal during this stage, Grant, is to get that. Formal approval to move to the contract stage, meaning that they 've looked at the proposal they agree to it, now they want to formalize it in a contract that 's the whole goal is you want to get them to the contract straight so uh, Grant, what are some of the keys here? If you want to be successful, what are some of the keys to success in this stage?
0: Yeah, one thing you want to make sure that you do is you really just keep the process simple. It's really it's really easy to overcomplicate it and to have a, a you know a big series of, of steps and uh, make it confusing and overwhelming. Because remember, part of what you are being hired for is what you do on. Uh, on stage as far as being a speaker and presenting but the other thing that you're being hired for is to make their life easy you know you want to be someone that is really 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 good to work with and uh and and again it's not this prima donna or diva and when we say like prima donna diva we're not talking about this um you know demanding loud uh pain in the butt but we're just talking about like you like we've all worked with um you know companies or contractors or whoever that uh boy, it's, it, you know, maybe the end product is great, but it's just they're just a pain in the butt to work with. And, and then the others where you're like, it was just a great experience for what they do, what they say they're gonna do. They make life simple. So you really just wanna keep the process simple. You wanna make sure again that you negotiate price on the phone. You don't wanna use the proposal as a way to introduce price for the first time. So after you've had that phone meeting in the third stage of the process, uh, you would have talked about price. You would have, again, gotten feedback from what they're looking for and, and all the variables that may go into that so that you can give them a price on the phone so that whenever you send them this proposal that we're talking about in this stage, it's not the first time that price has been brought up. So it's already been brought up. It's already been discussed with them. Next part of the process uh, is to be systematic and persistent in your follow-up during this stage. So again, you've discussed price on the phone, you've sent them a proposal. And again, you don't want, it's so much more than just like, all right, I'm going to send this to you and I'm just going to set it and forget it. So I'll give you a quick example. I remember a couple of years ago, we, when we first moved into our house, we wanted to screen in our back porch. And it was one of those things that was important, but it wasn't urgent. And so we had, I don't know, four or five different people show up and give different proposals and bids for it. And that we can do this, we can do this. And, you know, it's like, like any type of proposal where you're getting from, especially like a, a construction contractors, it's kind of all over the map in terms of what they, what they can do and pricing and timelines and all that sort of thing. And what was interesting was uh, most of them were just kind of like, here's your proposal. If you need, if you want to do it, let me know type thing. Uh, But there's really only like one or two of them that were consistent following up. Hey, I'll touch base with you next week. If you have any questions between now and then, let me know. Because again, it was on my radar, something we wanted to do. We're planning on doing something with someone, but it just wasn't super urgent. But by them following up, it keeps it top of mind to ultimately us making a decision. And ultimately the guy that was that uh, not only had a great product, but was just good to work with, that did what he said he was going to do, showed up on time and delivered, uh, was the guy that we ended up working with. And he may not have even necessarily been the cheapest, but was just provided a great experience. So you again, you want to be systematic and persistent in your, your, your follow-up during the stage. Now, the proposal has a, a couple different parts. It's more than just kind of like, uh, you know, I scribble some numbers or scribble some ideas on, a, on an email and send it over to them So Eric, can you walk us through like what what goes into this proposal?
1: Yeah, and one thing I do want to uh, mention Grant When you talked about the follow-up process One of the things you have to remember the people you're dealing with are very busy and so even though they agreed on the phone uh, doesn't necessarily mean they're going to immediately then get everything booked with you. They got all these other things you're dealing with. So it's incumbent upon you to be, to follow up to ensure you keep the momentum going. So the, all you're doing is you're doing the event planner a favor actually by following right. up in a systematic way. So yeah, the proposal itself is a document grant. It's a document that you're going to send that they can open up. It's not something you put in the email. It's a separate document, whether it's an attachment or it's a link or however you do that, but it's a document that we're going to open up. It's formal. It's, is aesthetically pleasing, um, it's, it's clear, it's concise, it looks good, and that they can take to their leadership, they can take to their committee. Now it's one page, Grant. Okay. Let me say it again. It's one page. It's not 35 pages, right? It's not a book. It's one page. So if you can't do your proposal on one page, then it's up to you to figure out how you can streamline and edit to get to one page. So here's what's in the uh, proposal. There's six parts to it. The first one is you want your contact information right at the top. So if you've got your website, they can go check that out, your name, phone number. I recommend you put a picture of yourself on there because again you're the product they're going to have you get on stage and they want to see a professional person i recommend one of the things you want to do early on in your career is you want to get those professional headshots done right you got a great one grant your yours is fantastic right
0: the professional headshot you got well i mean the photoshop is really powerful and it can do a lot (laughs) of things to make people look prettier than they actually are yeah, that's right. So filters is what the kids call them, right? <laughs> so
1: anyway, so you want to get your professional headshot. You want that on there. The next thing is you want what's called we call an abstract. And what that is, granted, it's three to five sentences, not three to five paragraphs, three to five sentences describing what your talk's all about. It's like your elevator pitch. So if you were to get in the elevator with someone and I gave you 30 seconds, what's your talk about? That's what that is. Then the next one, and I Grant, I will tell you that this is one area that I've learned from event planners is something that a lot of speakers fail to do, and that is give me the learning objectives. When when I'm done listening to your talk, when my audience is done, what are the three or four things they're going to take away, the two or three things they're going to walk away with? And if you can clarify that and put that in your uh, proposal grant, then you are separating yourself from a lot of speakers. Because a lot of speakers, what they'll do is they'll give you pie in the sky, they'll talk in colloquialisms, you know and they'll just kind of talk around the subject but not really tell you anything. If you just tell them, Hey, number one, they're going to get this. Number two, they're going to get this. Number three, they're going to get this. That's going to really clarify it and make it easier for them to say yes to you. So three to five, you know, no more than five, that's, that's even on the high end, but three to five learning objectives and do it in bullet points. The next is a testimonial. Now this is optional, Grant. Uh, in the beginning, you may not have any testimonials, but as soon as you can get someone to actually say, hey, Eric did a good job or Grant did a good job, um, you wanna put that person on there because that's social proof. And so I have that right. usually right under the abstract, between the abstract and learning objectives. I may have two or three sentence testimonial from someone who's hired me in the past. The next thing you want, Grant, is you want references, kind of like in a resume. Uh, and I, I would say two is ideal. And again, this is optional until you can build your resume. But you want to have two people in there, other event planners that's hired you, that number one shows that, hey, you're not the first one to hire me. Now, there is going to need to be a first in the beginning of your career. But as you start getting booked, you want to let them know that other people have hired me and I'm confident enough to put their names and information on here. And you can contact them if you want to learn more about me now. You got to get permission. Number one, all right, don't forget. You got to get permission. You just can't throw someone's name on there unless you get the permission, but you want their reference. And then finally, you want to put the cost. And usually that's the honorarium plus travel or if the travel is included, that's usually what you put in there. And then that makes up your proposal grant and it's one page. Thoughts on that?
0: Yeah. So one thing I would add on there is whenever you're adding in that, that testimonial or references is ideally you want to make it as specific as possible to the event that you are reaching out to. So for example, let's go back to this example that I gave on, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the guy who did the screened in porch for us. Okay. So if we were talking with him about doing a screened in porch, he's like, Hey, here's a couple of other, you know, referrals or testimonials or references of other people that I've worked with. And they're talking about, you know, he did a great job with landscaping. And he did a great job with building, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, repainting our house, you know, or whatever. It's just like, Okay, but like that has nothing to do with what I'm looking for. So if you're saying okay, I'm going to be doing, you know, in your case, Eric, you maybe you're doing a a full day workshop with some city municipality. Like you want to find uh, other testimonials or references of the same or as close as possible to that. So it's like okay, if this person in the same space in the same industry doing the same type of thing had Eric and they had these good things to say, again, that decreases the potential risk of he could probably, he probably knows our world. And if he comes to our world, he'd probably do a great job there. So again, once you have that proposal, and then the next part of the process is, is uh, kind of this little, little magic move, you know, little, little, little magic sauce, sweet sauce. Uh, What you want to tell them is that you want to put the event on hold and give them the first right of refusal. And so to do this, what we do is uh, I actually have a couple of different uh, calendar categories a couple different color coding uh, uh calendars for for this so uh if they if when i put something on hold i want to make it clear to them that it is on hold it is theirs they have dibs on it uh, but it is not finalized or confirmed until we get that signed speaker agreement back and a 50% deposit in. Now, occasionally you're going to run into situations where maybe they can't do a deposit. You know, there's going to be some, a lot of like uh, state organizations, government organizations, they may not be able to, to pay in full until uh, the time that services are rendered, sort of thing. But uh, you definitely want to have that speaker, that signed speaker agreement back in order to confirm the event. But just letting them know hey, I'm going to go ahead and mark this down. This is your date. No one else can this and that way again, they kind of have dibs on it and have the like you said the, the right of fir- first refusal. So if something were to come up, hey, are you available on this date? You've already got it penciled in for the the original uh, client. You can reach out to that original client, and say, hey, I do have someone else interested in it. Is this something you want to move forward on? Where are you at on the proposal process? Uh, and, and and get some more clarity from them. But I in, a, in an ideal world, it kind of forces their hand, forces them to make a decision. So they're not maybe they have been dragging their feet and you'd been following up. Uh, but they're just kind of like, yeah, we're still kind of him hawing about it. But now all of a sudden, like they, someone else wants that date. That's, it, it can be a good thing for you. Cause again, it forces them to, to make a decision in the process. So uh, once you have sent them that proposal there, what's, what's kind of the sequence of process or the, the, the sequence of steps after that?
1: Okay. Well, what you want to do, Grant, is once you're in this phase, there's a sequence that we recommend. First of all, as soon as I get off the phone with you and you said, all right, Eric, uh, I like where we're going. I need some information and I think the price you're within our budget, everything looks good. I need you to send me that information. Now you don't need to necessarily say, well, I'm going to send you a proposal. You just say, I'll send you a proposal. I'll send you an abstract, however you want to call that. But the bottom line is you set the expectation and I'm gonna send you some information. So what you're gonna do is go to your proposal that you have, make any adjustments to that proposal grant based on what you and I talked about. So there's some things we're gonna talk about. I need to customize that proposal. I may need to change a couple things, maybe one of the two of the learning objectives. If you're only gonna give me 30 minutes, like maybe I have a 45 minute discussion planned that has four objectives to it, but you said I only got 30 minutes. Well, then I need to maybe cut that down a little bit. So I'll adjust the proposal and I'll send it to you immediately through email, right? Then what I want to do, Grant, is in my pipeline, I want to make a note that I want to follow up two days later, okay? There's a system, there's a methodology to the madness here. We want to do it two days later because it's short enough that I can follow up just to make sure that we're still in the game, that you have any questions. But it also gives you a couple days to breathe because you got a lot going on. What you don't want to do, there's a fine line between being persistent, Grant, and looking desperate. Like, did you get my proposal? Did you get my proposal? And you've had yeah. that happen before. you felt that before. And so what I'll do is I'll follow up in a couple days, and it'll be something simple. Like, here's an example of an email I'll send. It's one sentence. I'm following up to see if you received my proposal and if you had any questions or need anything else from me. That's it. And then what they'll do is they'll respond back, got your proposal, I'm taking it to the planning committee, I'm good for now, thanks for following up, right? Then what I'll do, Grant, is I'll make a note to follow up two weeks later or on the date that they told me they're going to make a decision, one or the other. So if you told me that, hey, I got a meeting set up, it's going to be next week on Thursday, I will make a note to either contact, probably contact you Friday morning. And so I'll contact you and say something like, hey, I know you guys had your uh, planning meeting yesterday. Just want to make sure there wasn't anything else you needed from me. Or, you know, if we want to go ahead and and start the process of locking it in. So I'll do that either within two weeks or on the date that you told me you're going to be making your decisions. Okay. Um, Now, note, vent planners don't mind you following up, Grant. Sometimes we feel like, oh, are we being a pain, you know? I've had event planners say, hey, thank you so much for doing this. This takes something off my plate that I don't have to write down. Oh, yeah, I'll make sure I follow up with Eric. So it actually makes it easier for them. Once I follow up with you, Grant, then maybe you don't follow up back. Maybe you don't respond back. What I'll do is I'll make a note to follow up again two weeks after that. Because remember, I'm giving you room to breathe. A lot of times these events, Grant, Grant we're talking about, are nine months from now. Right. So it's not like they're, it's really like, we got to make a decision right now. So it doesn't necessarily mean anything if you contact them and it's like crickets. I've had times where uh, it was crickets and they didn't get back with me. And I sent them an email, they didn't get back with me. And then finally they got back and we said, oh yeah, um, my wife just had a baby and I've been at home taking care of the baby. I had nothing to do with anything that life just happened and they're taking care of business, right? You're just following up. So I follow up that two weeks. I do it in two weeks inter- intervals. Then what happens is after, that second follow up after I followed up two weeks and then I went another two weeks. If I don't hear from them, then now I'm about six weeks into it. What I'll do is I'll send them a file, a final email, and that's when I, I call it the takeaway method grant. When I say something like, hey, um, I don't want to bother you. Um, and by the way, this is frustrating sometimes when you get this far and this has happened. That's why it's not a hundred percent. It's 80%. Sometimes things change. Something changed. Maybe, maybe the uh, committee had another person that knew someone personally, that's a speaker. And they decide to go with that and the person's too embarrassed to tell you who knows why it is. But what I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll tell them that, Hey, this is going to be my final email. Cause I don't want to bother you. I'm still interested in this event. However, uh, if I don't hear back from you, I'm going to assume that you're no longer interested. I'm going to close this out. I'm going to move on. It's amazing when you do that, Grant. When you you take that away, then human dynamics kicks in. Because if they're really interested in hiring you, then they'll say, "Oh no, no, I am interested. I just got real busy. No problem." I've had that happen so many times. It's not unprofessional to do this. However, if they truly not are not interested, you've now given them an out, and you've given yourself clarity on okay this isn't going to work i need to close this out and move on sometimes you just got to close things out and move on then if i hear back from them grant that means they're obviously not interested here's what i'll do i'll close it out on my crm and then what i'll do is i'll open it back up as a new event for next the next time and i'll contact them and i'll start the process all over again that makes sense
0: Yep, totally. And again, a lot of a big part of this is like having a long term perspective on this, right? So just because they don't book you this year, just because they don't book you this month, doesn't mean that they're never going to book you. So keeping a long term perspective on this, and also having this, uh, not only having these stages of the speaker pipeline and process uh, in place, but also having a the CRM to track all of this, right? So if you're we're talking about one specific scenario, right? So yeah, I reach out to an event and then I have a call with them and I'd send them a proposal, a proposal. And then I follow up with them. I mean, we're talking about a lot of moving pieces over the course of potentially several weeks or several months. Now multiply that or extrapolate that out of You have 50, 75, 100 leads that you're following up on on any given time in addition to other events that you're doing. It's a lot to keep up with. It's a lot to juggle. There's zero chance you can keep this in your head. You have to have a system in place. You have to have a process in place. And that's the point of having, again, the the CRM where you can put this in. And for both of us, it's like, this, all, there's a lot of tasks in there that need to happen on certain dates at certain time, but it's all out of sight, out of mind. I don't think twice about what am I, wait, what am I supposed to do tomorrow? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to follow up with them? Have I heard back from them? No, no, it's all kept up in, a, in, that, in our CRM and that's where we follow up on it. That's what we check into. That tells me what I need to be doing on, on any given day and, and any given basis. Hey friends, do you know what the five stages of a great speaking pipeline are? If not, listen up, because when you master these five stages, every lead that you get will have the best possible chance of turning into a paid gig. Now, whether you're just getting started or you've been a speaker for a while, the key to success of professional speaking is having a flexible, predictable system for finding, managing, and booking gigs. That's why my team and I have created a brand new program to walk you through step-by-step all five stages of the speaking pipeline. We demystify the process for finding gigs, we clarify the steps necessary to turn a cold lead into a book gig, and we lay out a complete system for lead management no matter where you are in your speaking journey. To learn more and to access this comprehensive tool to mastering your speaking pipeline, check out thespeakerlab.com slash pipeline. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash pipeline.
1: So Grant, uh, when you're when I email you, eventually you're gonna follow up, but a lot of times the event planner's not gonna say, Okay, great, we're good to go, send me a contract, right? Mm-hmm. So, there are going to be some buying signals that you're going to look for when, they, when they're emailing you back. What are some of those signals you might hear that signals that, okay, they're ready to go to the contract stage?
0: Yeah. So, something like, you know, all right, looks good. What's the next step? Or what do we need to do now? We're, we're ready to move forward, like to book you. Um, go ahead and send us the agreement, you know, anything like that. So, and again, it's okay. We touched on this a little bit in the previous episode. It's okay at some point to just straight up you know, uh, ask for the sale of, Hey, are you ready to move forward on this? Are you ready to book this? Um, maybe it's like, maybe the, the, the person that you've been interacting with, uh, they are in charge with, hiring a speaker, but they feel just the weight of that. They've never done this before. This is the first time they've done an event. And it's just kind of like mentally weighing on them, you know, and so they, they don't want to screw it up. They want to get it right. But ultimately, uh, ask them to make that buying decision once you're, when, especially once you're kind of seeing some of those, those buying signals. And so once the prospect gets that that formal approval to move forward, they give them formal approval to move forward, uh, then you want to move them into the last stage, which is what we're going to be digging into on the next episode, uh, which is all about the contract negotiation stage. So uh, before we just kind of do a, 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 a recap here, uh, Eric, anything else that we we yeah. missed here we want to get to? I'm so glad you asked that. There was one thing I did want to cover and
1: that is the first right of refusal situation. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's say that you and I talked, everything was great. And you said, all right, Eric, I think we want to go ahead and move forward on you. Go ahead and send me this through the proposal and let's go ahead and put this on hold. All right. And so it's nine months from now and I put you on hold on a Thursday or whatever for your event. And we're going through the process, three weeks from now, suddenly another event planner contacts me, right? And says, oh, Eric, we're interested in hiring you on this date. Oh, what? It's on the exact same date I got on hold for you. So here's how you approach that. And this is actually a good, this is actually fun when you got events now fighting over you. I love this part. And so I'll send an email to the original event planner and I call it the first right refusal email. And also let them know, hey, I'm informing you that another organization is contacting me and they're interested in hiring me on this event that I have on hold for you. I promised you I'd give you first right of refusal. Again, if we want to lock this in we need to go ahead and get an agreement and that 50% deposit, do we want to go ahead and lock this in or do you want to release the date? Now what you've done is you've accelerated the process and you're about to take something away. Now they're either going to say, no, we want to go ahead and lock it in and make it happen, or they're going to say, go ahead and release the date and now you can move on to the other event. So. That's when. That's what you want to do if you get in that situation. It's going to happen eventually in your career where two events are going to want to book you on the same date, and that's when you got to honor. Now, this is sometimes where it can get a little uh, hectic, Grant. Let's say that you said you were going to hire me for five grand, and I got you on hold, and the next event comes and they say we're going to hire you for ten grand. You still need to honor the first one and go right. back to them and say do you want to lock it in. So you have to have integrity in that.
0: Yeah. When you're looking at dates, it's it's also more than just, you know, so let's say for example, you have a hold on September 23rd uh, for an event that, that has talked to you and you have another event that reaches out and says, Hey, we're really interested in having you come speak on September 24th at a, maybe a different part of the country. So it, 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 may be affected from the first date, the original one, just from logistically. You're you you know you're supposed to be speaking the evening of the 23rd, but you're supposed to be somewhere else the morning of the 24th. So just because it doesn't fall on the same day doesn't mean that there's not a conflict there. So same thing as if you know it's the day before, uh, you know, you're know you invited to speak at something on September 22nd or 21st. And so you gotta make sure logistically you could still get to the original uh, one that's on hold for the 23rd. So you, you gotta, again, factor those in there that it may be a, a date on either side of the date that's being held that could be that could be in conflict there so to kind of wrap up here, uh, let's go again kind of recap the five stages of the pipeline: the lead in, the contact made, the phone meeting, the proposal, which is what we covered today, and then on the next episode, we're going to talk about the contract negotiation. So again, like we covered, the major elements of this proposal stage. At this point, again, you get about eighty percent probability. There's a pretty good chance you're going to book this gig. Again, as, you're, as long as you're, you're following up, you're staying top of mind with them. The purpose here is to, to formalize the value with that one sheet uh, formal proposal, uh, and then ultimately, you want to you want them to to gain a, a formal approval, be able to move to the, the speaking contract agreement. And so again, in the next episode, we're going to talk about the fifth stage of the pipeline, the contract negotiation stage.
1: Yeah, now Grant, I think though, as we close this out, the one thing that we all speakers have to remember is that it's okay to send a proposal for a talk you don't have fully developed yet. Just remember that. You don't have to plan it all out and know exactly what you're going to talk about. You can have a proposal and an idea and know what you're going to talk about but don't have the talk finalized yet. Again, if I book, book you nine months from now, I got nine months to get it all planned out and prepared. As long as you stay within your, your authentic and you have integrity with what you wanna talk about, you can always figure that out down the road. So the main thing is you want them to buy into the proposal and then you can build your, your, uh, your, your talk after that.
0: All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab podcast. And before you take off, don't forget if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review within iTunes. We read every single one of those. It helps, it helps other people to find the show. Listen, we, we don't charge anything for you to listen to these. We don't have any ads or anything. We do this because we want to serve and support speakers like you. So one small favor we ask of you is that you would leave us some type of rating and review. And again, we really, really do appreciate that. If you're looking for more help, support as a speaker as you build and grow your business at whatever stage you're at, don't forget to check out thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. we got a ton of free resources and tools over there. So again, check it out over at thespeakerlab.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.